Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to the children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up with. Uh, and this week, we're going to go back to 1984 again. I know we kind of went there with Top Gun, but we're going to go back again this time to talk about one of my favorite movies, and I'm pretty sure it's one of your favorite movies, Will. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about The Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> and not the uh, the remake, either. Well, that really should have been The Kung Fu Kid, but we'll get into that, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of want to just give a little bit of background on this movie here a little bit before we really jump into it. Uh, one, letting people know this is basically supposed to be a martial arts romantic drama uh, that had some major things going on, some major people. It was really kind of a, a breakout film for a lot of these people. Uh, it had Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, uh, and of course the surprise for me, which I didn't realize, was Elizabeth Shue. Right. Uh, kind of supposed to be this whole film of of an underdog coming out and, you know, he get he's transplanted from New Jersey to California, gets his ass kicked by some people, <laughs> kind of goes like from there. Yeah, it's like a teenage Rocky for the 80s. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so let me go ahead and ask you, Will, uh, what were your, what were your really, really your thoughts on this movie? I mean, I, I really loved it. Tell me what you thought of it. Well, from, I know from the beginning, um, it was... It was just cool from the very start of the film. You know, he's he's leaving New Jersey, saying goodbye to all his family and friends, and and so you can kind of, if you've ever moved anywhere, or you know, you know, moved to a new place, uh, you can relate to that. You know, he's he's moving to California. It's a, a a new, it's a completely different world. You know, different, you know, part of the country, and um, he's completely alien. You know, and, and uh, they they really uh, build upon that throughout the film where, you know, it, it becomes a sudden, you know, just as he gets used to life over there, there becomes all this sort of class separation, the rich kids, the, you know, and he's poor. And um, I mean, you could you could relate to it on many levels. Of course, the most obvious, the um, uh, the whole sort of he gets bullied, you know, they they basically just kick his ass, you know. Um, of course, <laughs> a staple of the eighties, the, the sort of, um, the rich cocky blonde kid, you know, beats up on the, you know, the poor wimpy, you know, kid. And, and, uh, we get kind of the, the sort of bully revenge out yeah. of it. So it, it, it becomes sort of all these different elements that, you know, when you're, you know, in your adolescence, you're, you kind of, you know, you can't help, but sort of get behind all that. Okay, well, I, I want, want to kind of just touch real quick. For those people who haven't seen this movie, first off, shame on you. <laughs> uh, second of all, let me go ahead and I'm going to give you a quick plot just so everybody kind of knows what we're talking about here. Uh, movie really takes place. It stars Daniel LaRusso, who is a high school senior. He moves in, uh, moves with his mother from New Jersey, uh, ends up in Reseda, out in this apartment in Reseda. And his mom keeps promising, the thing that sticks with me on this, his mom keeps talking to him about the pool, the great pool that they're going to have there at the <laughs> apartments. And they show, up at the, they show up at the apartments, they get ready to move in, they meet some people there, and he walks up and he takes a look at the pool, and you see it, it's like half full, and it's got ducks in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I always kind of stuck with, stuck with that in my mind. Uh, he kind of meets up with his mentor throughout the movie, uh, a uh, guy named, uh, let me see here, Keisuke Miyagi, uh, who's right. played by Pat Morita. And uh, he just refers to him as Mr. Miyagi, Yeah, right? everybody's like, Mr. Miyagi. Hey, Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> He's uh, the handyman for the uh, the apartment complex. Or, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, he also, when he starts going to school, he meets up with this girl named Allie Mills, uh, who's actually played by Elizabeth Shue, who I thought was really hot in this movie. <laughs> uh, she was the she was the high school cheerleader at the same school uh, where Daniel was going. She basically had this ex boyfriend uh, named Johnny Lawrence, who's played by William Zabka. Right, uh, another a big like an eighties, totally eighties actor who's been in. Um, he's been in other stuff as well. Um, uh, just one of the guys I think he was in. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. 
that was another classic 80s film. <laughs> we should we should try to cover that at some point. Oh, as yeah. Well. That, that was a great Victor Victoria type story. But we'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, with with Johnny, with respect to him, he's actually one of the best students at the Cobra Kai Dojo, uh, where he's taught basically an unethical, vicious form of martial arts. Kind of just really nasty. Uh, you know, the Cobra Kai sensei, uh, who is actually, let me see here, where's my cast information on this? Uh Oh, how did I miss this? Uh, <laughs> let me see. Oh, here we go. Uh, the Cobra Kai Dojo Master, he's played by Martin Cove. And Martin Cove is another one. Uh, he's another one of those actors that you see showing up a lot of. Uh, right. He's kind of, he, he plays throughout a lot of 80s films. Uh, he was in Death Race 2000, uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2, uh, Cagney and Lacey on the TV show for a while there. Uh, yeah. He just kind of makes these little appearances, and he always plays kind of either a good guy or a bad guy, and you never really know which, which I kind of liked. Right. He kind of showed his versatility. I think I think he 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 favors the bad guy, though. From what I can, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah. this film shows it off. He's just he's got a sort of hard edge to him, you know. Yeah, but I have to say, because I've seen him play like this bad guy in a very comedic role. Uh, <laughs> I almost they they did a movie. Uh, back in a set of movies back in the '90s, uh, called uh, Three Ninjas. And if you ever saw them, they're really, yes. really bad. <laughs> uh, but all I could think of is I'm watching the roles because they had Joe Piscopo playing, who's another really bad '80s actor. Yeah. Uh, if you ever saw the role, all I could think of was they really need to have Martin Kreese in that role <laughs> as the as the bad guy playing for all these things. Just having this whole comedic bad kung fu bad ninjutsu, you know, bad martial arts style and just making a complete goof of it, which is kind of what Joe Piscopo did. But right. I think it would have done better had they had uh had they had Mr. Cove doing that. Yeah. I mean it's it's funny. He he plays it well. Um sort of this uh this karate teacher who's um you know just very militant. You know, I think they show a a, a one of the photographs of him, you know um, probably fighting in a war or something, you know, in the military. Um, yeah, he was actually in Vietnam, and that that actually comes into play in uh, Karate Kid Part Three. Oh, okay, they they make kind of a, a bigger backstory with that and him and some of his Vietnam War buddies that he went off with. Right, they do bring him back. Right, I, I have I I'm I have more memories of one and even a little bit more of two than three, but. Oh. Uh, I think three. I've seen one and two a lot more than yeah. I have. Three nobody really wants to mention, and they certainly <laughs> don't want to mention the fourth one, the oh, next Karate okay. Kids. <laughs> but anyway, to continue on with our plot here, uh, basically what happens is that Johnny at the very beginning he kind of kicks he kind of he and uh, Ralph Macho or Daniel Larusso kind of get into it a little bit, and Johnny basically kicks his ass there in school, a fight and they, in the at the beach. Well, yeah. that yeah, because there was the beach scene where he gets chased. And yeah. then later on, Daniel is, is getting sick and tired of it, and he's trying to hide from him because he's really afraid, and he's trying to walk away from him because he knows that Johnny's going to kick his ass. Right. And he decides at one point that he's going to go to the Cobra Kai Dojo. He doesn't realize that Johnny is there and actually right. taking lessons there at uh, Cobra Kai do- Dojo. It's like, great, a karate school. I need, yeah. a, I need to defend myself, yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden he gets there and he sees him. He's like, oh, crap, this ain't going to work. And he gets yeah. laughed out of there. So right. well, there's like a little smirk from Johnny he just sort of looks at him like, ah, yeah, kinda like, he, he's kind of leading the, the group in, in, in uh sort of punching exercise and he yeah. catches a glimpse of him through the window. And it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, that's it. That ends it. Uh, so he basically leaves and Daniel is Daniel basically runs into him and he decides that he's going to go hide. He he befriends Mr. Miyagi because he has this whole chase and he gets his ass kicked while he's running away from these guys at the beach. His right. bike gets destroyed. Mr. Miyagi fixes it. And that's when uh, Daniel kind of realizes that Mr. Miyagi is actually kind of a nice guy. He's just very quiet and very reserved. Right. They kind of had a little run in. I mean, you know, he's just sort of the, the guy who's there, the handyman. Yeah. And um, he kind of. I think he he bumps into him. It's or rather the um, uh, he the handyman gets called into the uh, their apartment and he's doing some Daniel's doing some exercises out of a book or something and 
and he, uh, Pat Morita says something like, "Oh, you know, you learn from book, you know." Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and you know they don't really talk much until uh, Daniel sort of comes home after being run off the road, and he's just sort of you know vents like, "Oh, you know, stupid bike, stupid, you know, everything." He kind of trashes the bike. I hate this bike. I wish we could just go home, you know. Yeah. He complains to his mom and uh and you know, lo and behold, uh the following day there's the bike all fixed up by uh the handyman. Yeah, and he's kind of like surprised. He's like, "Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Miyagi. Thank you. Thank you." <laughs> and then later on he's he's trying to tell him that he's supposed to go to a dance and that's really kind of where we they find out. To bond, yeah. Yeah. But what happens is that he helps set him up with a costume and he goes in hiding in this shower curtain. Right. And he decides that while he's in the shower curtain, he sees Johnny go into the bathroom and he yeah. says, okay, I'm going to get back at this guy. Runs a hose up over into the toilet where Johnny is sitting. Right. And turns he, the water is off. He doing, is he doing drugs or something at that point? Or no. He's, he's, he's doing some – Johnny's – he was, or, or messing with head, headphones. Or, yeah, he, I thought, he's sitting on the crapper with a pair of headphones on, <laughs> which I always thought was kind of weird. Because I'm like, really? You go into the bathroom to listen to your Walkman? I, I could have sworn he was doing something. He was up to something. But, yeah, I do remember that the, he, he turns the hose on him. Yeah, the, and, and that ensues in this whole chase. And Johnny goes running <laughs> out and getting so, sopping wet, which I always thought was kind of funny. Because he's <laughs> sitting down in the toilet. And yet yeah. when he gets all wet, he comes out. And the jumpsuit that he's wearing, the skull jumpsuit, <laughs> is wet, but it's completely zipped up the front. It's all a one-piece jumpsuit, which I thought was <laughs> kind of funny. I'm like, really? You had to? I know you had to pull that all down. <laughs> Take your shit. Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny because it's it's it, there's sort of this this sort of foreshadowing in first of all the it's brilliant the 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 shower uh costume for you know this costume party brilliant or, or oh, dance yeah. whatever you know he pulls in alley they do their little dance you know um but uh it foreshadows of course you know him eventually you know turning the hose on on uh, johnny and uh getting chased you know out of there um but <laughs> uh but yeah i mean just just brilliant and and of course he gets the idea from mr miyagi who yeah. you know well, yeah. and that whole thing kind of ties into when they when he finally discovers that Mr. Miyagi is this karate master. Right. Because he shows up, he's running away from Johnny and his thugs as they come and they're basically, you know, one of one of Johnny's guys is kind of saying, "Hey, dude, I think he's had enough." And he's getting right. his ass kicked right outside of the apartment complex. And all of a sudden Mr. Miyagi shows up, jumps over the fence, which I think is pretty spry for a guy who's who was in his 50s at the time. Yeah. <laughs> jumps over the fence, kicks all their asses. And saves uh, Daniel LaRusso. Right. And basically at that point, he's like, look, he goes, Mr. Miyagi, you got to help me. These guys are, you know, they're starting to kick my ass and, you know, I can't take this anymore. And Mr. Miyagi kind of begrudgingly says, okay, you know what? Seeing these guys, seeing how they are, they're not going to quit. I'll help train you. Right. It's sort of almost this, this, uh, his character is almost sort of this guy who's, um, you know, you you can. It's it's almost like something from you know Unforgiven or something where he's this character who's like, well, I'm not I'm not really doing that anymore, and he gets kind of pulled back in, and uh, kind of you know kicks the ass of these asses of all these kids. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the one thing I do have to say is that when he did this, it, it actually when they first go about this, you know, right after Magagi says this. Uh, he sees Miyagi kick everybody's ass. He's kind of like, okay, uh, you know what? Tell you what, why don't you teach me? And Miyagi's like, no, I really don't think that's a good idea. Right. And so he he ends up saying, well, can you at least go with me down to the Cobra Kai Dojo to talk to them? You know, help get them off my back because they, they'll respect you since you beat them up. Right. And they show up there and Martin Kreese, you know, Martin Kreese is there and he's going, Really? You guys got your asses handed to you by this old fart. <laughs> and so he's like, we're not going to let this go. And so Miyagi finally says, you know what? Look, leave him alone until the tournament. And there's this tournament that's going on. Right. And I want to say it was in, if I remember the poster correctly, it was like in January. So basically they gave him like like a couple months or something like yeah, that like to train. Yeah, like December, January. It was a, the All Valley uh, uh, Karate Championship or something. Yeah. But they end up going through there. Uh, the harassment basically stops. They're kind of having this whole thing going back and forth. And yeah. Miyagi teaches him 
he teaches Daniel slowly and basically kind of becomes the surrogate father figure for Daniel because he, I, I don't understand that. I never really understood what happened to his father other than maybe like something happened where his mom and his dad got divorced in the, in the films. Yeah. They, they never mention it, but I mean, of course with good reason so that they could, you know, so Pat Marina could play this sort of father figure to Daniel and, and, uh, and yeah, it, I mean, it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have to say that this part here where he was training him to be, to learn karate, I thought this was excellent. And of course, Everybody who is a child from the 80s will remember wax on and wax, wax off. off. <laughs> he teaches it's, him it, with all that muscle memory to learn how to do the karate. <laughs> right. And he de- never explains it to him until, you know, much later. You know, he has him, you know, paint the fence and, and uh, wax on, wax off. And um, just all these things, you know, all day re- re- repeating these motions. And um, finally, Daniel sort of, you know. He gets fed up and it's, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick of doing your chores, old man. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, I, I'm going to he finally says, Daniel, you know, come here. He's like, what? And then he he kind of he says, show me, you know, um, a wax on, wax off. And then he attacks him a certain way and and showing him that, like, hey, look, your muscle memory is blocking these shots. And then, you know, and show me paint the fence, show me paint the house, you know, side to side, up and down. And eventually he just kind of just uh, tries to attack him with all these different um, uh, punches and kicks. And and Daniel just blocks them all with all these these moves he's basically learned and, yeah, on I mean, accident. And that was one of the best scenes because the look on his face was like, holy crap. What? What? Uh, <laughs> holy shit, I know how to do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, you know, and of course he, he emphasizes, you know, the defense part first, first before, you know, Daniel just keeps asking, you know, I, I want to learn how to punch and, you know, um, but yeah, of course, uh, learning the defense part first is, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. we do learn a little bit about Mr. Miyagi as well in this movie, which I thought was really kind of nice the way that they pulled it in. Uh, we learned that Miyagi had a wife and son. Uh, they actually both died during childbirth when his right. wife was uh, in the Manzanar internment camp because he went he went overseas to go serve uh, in World War II for the United States. And his wife, being of Japanese descent at the time, that they were pulled into a Japanese internment camp, right. which really was kind of sad when you think about it that we had those concentration camps going on. And it wasn't, they didn't call it a concentration camp, but let's be honest, that's what it was. Right. Right. It's, it's a sad sort of uh, part of our, our uh, American history, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, that, that, that we reveal that in the, um, the sequence where, you know, Mr. Miyagi just, I believe he just gets drunk. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it was like, either his wife's birthday or his son's, it was supposed to be his son's birthday or something like that. And he just gets blisteringly drunk in right. his outfit and he passes out and he's trying to have Daniel drink sake with him. Or I think it was <laughs> sake or whiskey or something. Daniel's like, Holy crap, this stuff is strong. <laughs> uh, but Daniel actually learns at that point of time that Mr. Miyagi received a medal of honor for valor against the German forces when he was fighting in Europe. Right. Uh, so I mean, he kind of learns. He kind of learns from that that hey, maybe this is something not just for fighting and for personal defense, but maybe this is for a help for balance for him for his personal life, which I thought was kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, it, throughout this whole thing, you know, they're building this bond, and um, you know, he's kind of helping him out with all of his problems. You know, the, it, he talks about sort of his relationship with Ali, and um, and just these things that uh, he's, you know, just a normal teenager goes through in life. And, uh, and meanwhile, you know, we kind of see sort of, uh, you know, we see, we get a little bit of Mr. Miyagi's backstory here. um, Kind of what brought him here, but uh, he's got, he's got quite a, you know, quite a little, um, like he takes him to this place to train, right? It's, it's quite a little setup he's got there. You know, the, the, the whole, you know, the property, the house and all that, the, the cars. And, and I never really <laughs> understood that because if he was supposed to be a handyman, I would have thought that he was – because he had that whole area there at the apartment complex, which 
I was never clear if that was his house or where he was living there. The, and then they had think, this separate place, and it was like, yeah, they, they purpose. I think they purposely kept certain parts of uh, of it enigmatic. You know, um, like where did he get all these cars? Yeah. Oh, well, apparently Detroit, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was a classic line. I laughed about that every time I hear that. Where these cars come from, Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Um. But uh, but yeah, so this all sort of leads to, uh, I guess, eventually the um, the tournament, which, of course, the guys at the Cobra Kai were not allowed to attack Daniel while he was training. And of course, Daniel sort of pushes his luck and and kind of shows off in front of Ali and he, he talks some smack or something um, to one of them or, or does something and Basically, it's like, well, kind of, you know, he pushes his luck because. Oh, yeah. He yeah. Was, <laughs> he was really pushing it in front of her. I mean, I know that there was there was the bit where he went to go meet Allie's parents for the first time and yeah. he shows up and they're living in like, I want to say Woodland Hills or something like that. It's it's very affluent neighborhood. Right. And here he shows up. His mom is bringing him to drive him in the car to pick up Allie for their date. Right. And in the process of going there. The car breaks down and they have to push it to jumpstart it to get it out of there. And it's really kind of this embarrassing thing where you kind of realize that Daniel's kind of from the wrong side of the tracks. Oh, yeah. Well, his mom is is driving them both and, and they do have to kind of, you know, have to give it a running start, the car. And and uh, I mean, th- these are sort of the, the challenges he faces while he's not getting his ass kicked anymore. Um, yeah. It's like, well, OK, you get to train now and you're OK, but. Now you can continue on with Ali and you face sort of these class differences and um and 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 all that but you know they start to of course their relationship eventually kind of uh gets past this right cuz I, I think they they um at some point I don't know if it's suggested or if it's actually they actually say outright that Ali was dating um uh, Johnny well, yeah, she Johnny was her ex-boyfriend, and at one okay. point they make kind of a big deal about it. They they have her go to dinner, and and Daniel's actually supposed to have a date with her, right? And what happens is that he's supposed to pick her up at like this country club or wherever she's having dinner with her parents, and in the process of going there, he, he sees Johnny show up, and her, her parents have set this whole thing up, trying to get her and Johnny back together and have this whole dance, right? And Johnny looks over, sees sees uh, Daniel coming through the kitchen and spots him and decides that he's going to basically show off and he starts trying to kiss her. Right. And he plants one on her and, and, you know, Daniel's like, oh, my God, he's horrified. He goes to leave, gets all sorts of spaghetti all over him, bumps into somebody. <laughs> and, of course, this was something else that bugged me is that he's wearing a white shirt and white pants. Of course, of course, when you get spaghetti spilled on you, yeah. that's that's always the time you get spaghetti. Yeah, that's, well, yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, you're going out on a date, <laughs> and you're wearing white pants and a white shirt. You look like one of the waiters. What the <laughs> fuck were you thinking? No, no accounting for style in the 80s. I mean, oh, well. of course, poor Daniel, though, he gets, he gets humiliated every time, from the beginning of the film... Um, you know, right up until like before the the last act of the film, it's like just humiliation after humiliation. He gets his ass kicked in front of everybody. He, like he made this friend at the apartments and, you know, like as soon as he arrives and he gets his ass kicked in front of the guy. It, didn't it turn out that guy um, turned out to be was he a part of the Cobra Kai or? Anyway, either way, he doesn't he he doesn't kind of continue on with their friendship after that. This is you're talking about the guy that he first meets when he's coming through the gate. Yeah, he he kind of kicks the gate open in this sort of like little karate kick, yeah. and then he hits the guy in the face. But um, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I never really I never really saw him. I was kind of like he just he was there, and all of a sudden he vanished, which I thought was kind of odd. But I was kind of like. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just kind of there as like, oh, he made this friend, and, and that friend was there to sort of invite him to this beach party. Yeah, it was kind of like this whole weird plot device, which just 
really fell apart. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he invites him there and then he kind of like, oh, he gets his ass kicked and he, the guy's sort of like, well, I don't, okay, I'm not hanging out with that loser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I, I do want to kind of get back to the tournament because I know you started yeah. on that. Uh, let's kind of just let everybody else know that what happens at the tournament, uh, he shows up and another one of my favorite scenes in this movie happens where the guy asks Mr. Miyagi as they're getting ready to sign up for the tournament, uh, what color belt is he? Uh, I, rope? <laughs> you know, he looks, he looks, you know, Mr. Miyagi looks down, he goes, ah, rope holds up my pants. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, uh, no, 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 no. What, you know, what color belt? And, and you know, thankfully Elizabeth's shoes there and she goes, uh, put him down his black belt, black belt, black belt. And so the guy's like, okay. And, the, and Mr. Miyagi's like looking around, he's like, Crap, I don't have a black belt for him. Reaches down in the guy's bag, pulls out his it, black belt, and hands it to Daniel. <laughs> they just steal a black belt. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, it almost kind of shows like, well, you know, to this guy, to Mr. Miyagi, who would be an authentic, like, you know, he's from, you know, he's from Okinawa, Japan. Like, he, he, he knows the authentic uh, karate. Uh, all of this, this tournament stuff and the, you know, the, the, the pomp and circumstance with the the black belt and all that, like that, that's just bullshit to him. Like he yeah. just, he's all about the actual, you know, um, uh, karate. You yeah. Know? And I was really glad to see that, you know, that, Hey, this is more than just going out there and earning a badge, earning a right, you know, it's, right. it's more of this is who you are and this is how you feel and what everything is encompassing with, your personal life force, I guess, in a way to put it. Yeah. He's, he's just trying to get, he's just trying to earn some respect. Yeah. Well, I, I loved when they get all done with that, Daniel goes in, he gets suited up. They're getting ready to go out onto the mat. And as they walk out, Allie, Allie is walking out there along with Mr. Miyagi and this like official stops him and goes, Hey, you can't go out there. This is, you know, you can go out into the stands, but you can't be out there on the floor with them. Uh, yeah. Well, um, he doesn't speak any English and he's his coach and I'm his translator. And so they're going through, they're like, and he starts speaking in Japanese and he's like, he goes, um, okay. And then he walks through and he goes, well, go right on ahead. And Mr. Miyagi turns to him and goes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It was just, it was one of those little things. It's just kind of laughing about, okay, or I think good. It was something like, like he goes, thank you. And then Mr. Miyagi goes, welcome. Yes, or something, something like that. <laughs> Which would be very odd for, you know, someone who doesn't know English to just say. (laughs) Um, They they walk out. It's really kind of surprising because Daniel basically, he surprises everybody in the tournament by getting all the way through to the semifinals. Right. And he faces, I think, as time goes on, he faces uh, a couple of the Cobra Kai along the way. Sort of the lesser Cobra Kai, uh, all you know, and we get that classic montage with the uh, that song, you know, you're, you're the, the best. best around, you know, like yes, yes. There's, there's there's some there there's some music. We'll we'll have to get to this uh, here. Oh yeah, I've I've got this. music stuff to talk about for this one, so that's <laughs> definitely in there for us. Yeah. Uh, but I but basically he goes through, he gets into the whole fight, uh, he gets up to the point where he's facing one of the lower ranking Cobra Kai kids. Right. And it's the, the kid bugs the hell out of me. I, I keep looking at him and all I can think is as he's laughing that he's like a damn chipmunk. Cause he's got those huge buck <laughs> teeth and you know, he goes through, they end up fighting him and he tells him, Hey, take out his leg. You know, Martin Kreese tells him, take out his leg, you know, <laughs> yeah. Disable him. You know, he goes, but coach, I'll be disqualified. Do it. We want to be disqualified. Yeah. <laughs> Sweep the leg. <laughs> you know, no mercy, no mercy. Just do it. That's okay. the Cobra Kai way. <laughs> so basically he, he goes through and he injures the leg, forces him out of the ring. Uh, you know, they end up that they're saying that they're going to award the uh, finals to uh, Cobra Kai Dojo and to Johnny. He's basically going to win by default, which right. really kind of sucks. Because he's injured, yeah. And then Miyagi does that whole thing with his hands where he puts them together. He does that rubbing and then taps it on his leg. And and it's like I, every time I see that, I'm kind of like, you know how hokey that really is and how it doesn't work? <laughs> but when you're a kid and he puts yeah. his hands together, they're rubbing it. You got that score sort of in the background. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, something thing. really cool's about to happen here. Yeah, it's that whole <laughs> mystical thing that he puts on with this ancient Eastern Oriental arts and boom. <laughs> Hate your legs better. 
Yeah. And of course, what happens? Daniel comes out limping out there to go into the fight again. We you know, get the payoff from earlier, an earlier training sequence where he sees, of course, the the crane technique being yes. done by Mr. Miyagi on a on the he's do, standing on a log doing this, you know, really kind of cool looking thing. It's like, how do you do that? And it's like, oh, you know, yes. whatever. I'll I'll, te- I'll tell you. They kind of he brushes it off or something. Yeah, I mean, and he obviously does teach him how to do the crane technique, and you see Daniel practicing it. But every time Daniel's trying to do it off the stump that he's standing on, he keeps yeah. falling, at least when you see it in the montage for training. Right. Yeah. And so finally they get down to the very end. You know, he's he's basically being – Johnny's being told, hey, sweep the leg, try and take out his leg, hurt him. And he actually does injure him at the very end. It comes down to like a one-point sudden death match or something like that if I remember correctly. Right. Daniel says, okay, he stands there in the crane kick, snap kicks him right to the face and that's the end of it johnny falls down end of the story he wins the tournament as this is there's a shot where he's kind of everyone's sort of hoisting uh daniel up in the air as he's holding the the trophy up and and um johnny lawrence is down there he's kind of just crying <laughs> he's got this look on his face like oh you, you know i respect you now it's well, it, this this movie uh, you know i love this movie uh, ever since i was a kid it is it is so cheesy <laughs> well I, I always thought at the very end because they have like when they go to give him the trophies johnny rips it out of the judge's hand and hands it to the guy and, and you think that there's gonna be like this whole thing where he's gonna be pissed off and he's gonna try and stalk off and steal the trophy right but he grabs the trophy turns and hands it to daniel larusso and he goes Hey, you're all right, LaRusso. Good match. Yeah. And it's kind of like, really? You've been a complete <laughs> asshole throughout the entire movie. And all of a sudden, he snaps one into your face. And now you're going to be, oh, I'm so, you know, you're worthy. You're worthy. Bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's it's funny where we go from there to the sequel. But um, the sequel, I, and, and I, I don't know if you want to cover this on a oh. later podcast, but um, – it's the sequel almost becomes a they take a completely different setting from this too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what's funny is that that whole sequence that was done at the very beginning of the sequel yeah where it shows kind of the aftermath of what happened where Johnny is getting his ass kicked by his sensei. Yeah. Uh that was actually supposed to be filmed in the in the uh, first one and they were actually going to have it at the end. Yeah, And they kind of decided to leave it on a better note and just kind of stop it there. But they didn't actually film it. So when they did it, when they came back and they did the second one, all that entire scene, while it looks like it took place exactly after and it was just something they left off the first one, they actually came back and filmed that entire scene to put it into the very beginning of, of Karate Kid 2. Right. Which I thought was kind of interesting. I actually was reading through all the notes on this here when I was doing research on it and found that out. I'm like... Oh, that's cool. So it was supposed to be there and just never did. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting kind of the, you know, the stuff that gets cut out at the last minute or gets changed. Um, yeah. I mean, we see a lot of stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor with deleted scenes and stuff. If you ever pick up DVDs, you know, where yeah. they talk about that sort of stuff. And that's no surprise. Some of the stuff, it's like it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But yeah, but uh, yeah. But the music of this film um, is definitely, you know, something to note. I, I, I think um, it really helped kind of um, establish a feel and, and sort of, of course, very, very 80s, you know, but yeah. um, some notable tracks on here. Um, let's see here. Of course, I mentioned earlier on we had um, uh, You're the Best uh, yes. from Bill Conti. Uh, Probably the best track on there. I any anytime I see something that kind of has a throwback feel to the '80s, you know they they love to drop that track in there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean um, just something like that. It's the, that was the one thing with the '80s music that they had, and, and the moment of truth. You know, you had moment of truth. You're the best. Uh, Cruel summer. A lot of those summer, things. Yeah. You start hearing them, and they have a lot of like. You, you hear synthesizer. You hear drums. And one of the other things that always sticks in my head is that they had a horn section for most of these bands, for pop bands in the 80s. Yeah. And you don't hear that anymore. So it kind of defines the whole 80s movement. Yeah. There, there's kind of the, that track, No Shelter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where he's kind of running away from, you know, the 
the the the, the dance scene where he's running away from yes. the cobra guy. Um, yeah, <laughs> just hilarious. Like I I I would actually I would love to go through that um, that soundtrack. Oh, there's you know. some, there's some good stuff. And like you hear it, and you're kind of like, "Wow, um, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely '80s." Because I was listening to some of it a while back when I was yeah. when I was doing this, just kind of listen to it and kind of go, "Well, what songs would would define this?" And really, I mean, you know, obviously, as we keep mentioning, you're the best. <laughs> yeah, and "Moment of Truth," uh, which is uh, performed by Survivor. Um, it, it's funny because because uh, uh, didn't Survivor also do the track on Rocky? Uh, yeah, they, I think I think they did. Eye of the Tiger there. Eye of the Tiger, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's funny. We call this uh, a sort of Rocky for you know for teenage kids in the eighties. You know, but there you go. Yeah. It's like what a better you know. Can you pick a better you know uh, uh, somebody you know band to perform it? So yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I do want to mention some of the things that this movie really was. I mean, it was wildly popular. It was it was kind of just a breakout hit in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it spawned so much things. People were signing up to take karate classes after this movie came out. <laughs> uh, memorabilia was popping out, movie posters, headbands, action figures. Uh, you yeah. even had a, a video game. Uh, that they yeah, came the Karate Kid video game, yeah. Oh, that thing was awful for the Nintendo, <laughs> though. It, there was like, uh, you know, just a, a you had a, a thing you could do, the, the crane kick at any point in the game, but they limited how many times you can use it. Cause it was like the super move that, oh, God. yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was kind of cool. The concept that you started in the, the tournament and then, um, you had to beat all these dudes and then you would move on to the sequel. So the, the very, very beginning is just, okay, that's karate kid part one. And then they immediately jump into part two where it's like, okay, now Daniel's in Japan. <laughs> well, it was just, you know, I mean, it, it was one of those goofy things. I didn't really care much for it. I played it once just to say, okay, I've played yeah. it. And I was like, uh, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> I won't ever play this stupid game again. They had some sort of exercise from from the films where he's like standing on a thing and he's got to balance or he's got to like break some ice or something, ice blocks. I still but, remember yeah, that pretty... where they, like, they had to go through it like you would in the sequel for all that, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, all, all pretty goofy, though, overall. Yeah, well, you want to talk about goofy. Let's talk about, <laughs> real quick, we'll, we're going to touch on this here just a little bit. They had a Saturday morning cartoon that they did oh, on this thing. Oh, I remember that. NBC yeah. picked it up. They brought it out in 89, and it was really kind of supposed to take place after Karate Kid 2. Mm. And it was, you had, uh, which was really kind of goofy with it, because they had... They had Daniel LaRusso, they had Mr. Miyagi, and then they had this girl named Taki, mm. uh, who was supposed to be an Okinawan girl, who's kind of supposed to be, kind of supposed to be like uh, Daniel's love interest from Karate Kid Two, but it wasn't the same person, which I always thought was kind of goofy because it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, but these people here now, this is really kind of funny because when I looked at the cast for the voice actors for the Karate Kid cartoon series, none of them were the same from the movies. <laughs> okay, none of them. They didn't use Pat Morita. They didn't use Ralph Macchio. They didn't use, you know, the girl who played as as um, Daniel's girlfriend in Karate Kid 2. Didn't use any of them. Instead, they used, for, for Daniel LaRusso, they had Joey Dedio. Uh Now, you're probably like, who the hell is this? If you ever watched Captain Planet, which was that horrible, god-awful, eco, you know, eco-rangers <laughs> type uh, cartoon show, Johnny, or, uh, Joey Dedio did the voice of Wheeler on Captain Planet. And oh. it's the exact same voice. When you look at it, you, when you listen to it, you go, oh, shit, I've heard this voice before. <laughs> it's like, can you do a young sort of, a youthful teenage sort yeah. of voice? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of had that whole, like, New York attitude, which I, I kind of get. They were trying to pick up that East Coast attitude that, you know, that, that Jersey sort of, yeah. Yeah, but it, it was just like, okay, look, can you please make him sound just a, can you please make Wheeler sound just a little different from this? It, it was gay I mean, in that respect. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I, I think, um, you know, it, had they gotten, you know, Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio, you know, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what that would have done if if people would have gravitated toward that cartoon i i don't know how successful it even was um 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know what that would have done to help it. But I mean, in general, I would say the film was, you know, as you mentioned, very successful. Of course, back then, 84, you didn't have to make that much money, uh, you know, compared to now to um, to be considered successful. I mean, they they made 90 million at the box office. Uh, it only costs eight million to make, which is kind of kind of crazy. That's actually a huge difference in it. I mean, when you look at movies now that are, you know, your summer blockbusters, yeah, you know, they're costing, you know, you're looking at, oh, you know, this this pulled, uh, this cost, you know, thirty million to make, forty million to make, and we're talking about movies that are making that back then were making three times what it costs to make a movie now, which yeah, is just I mean, kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is '84. This is you know, sort of the era of Spielberg. This is a year after Return yeah. of the Jedi. I, I think. Yeah, you're starting. You're seeing people really start to studios really start to put a lot of money into features and and really try to get special effects films going. But yeah, um, I mean, here's a simple story about a you know kid gets bullied and learns karate. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was really kind of a cheap movie to make when you think about it. With all the stuff that they really did, they didn't have they didn't have a whole lot of special effects. That they had to pay tons of money into. They right. didn't have to hire you know huge name uh, name actors for it. And that's really kind of when you look at it, what I, th I think part of what kind of made this movie what it was, because it did have some actors that people had seen before. Uh, you know, I mean, really, for when you look at it, Ralph Macho, he was very, he was very much nobody had heard of him at all. Right. Uh, you know, he was. This is really kind of his come out role. Although he was on, uh, I want to say, Eight is Enough. Mm. Uh, it, it was like he had just a little bit part just before. Karate Kid came out. So that was kind of like his first acting job. Yeah. And then he came into this, and here's his breakout role that basically catapults him into being the teen thro heartthrob idol. You know, teen yeah, idol. He, he, yeah, great casting. I mean, he, you know, here's a film where it's a teenage kid and he looks like a teenage kid, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know how old he was at the time, but it was, you know, I, I feel like every movie I see now that casts a, a, a teenage role, they all look like they're, you know, 23, 25, you well, know? And that was the funny thing was that when he did this film, he was 20. Yeah, so he I mean, very young. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was great that they pulled that off. They managed to pull that off and make him look, you know, look good for this. Yeah. Uh, now, what was funny was that he was twenty. Pat Morita, when he did the film, okay, he was in his fifties. He was right. like fifty one, fifty fifty one. And when Ralph Macchio went to go do Dancing with the Stars here uh, for season twelve, I think it was. Uh, he was the same age that Pat Morita was when Pat Morita started out doing uh, Karate Kid. So it's kind of like, okay, and you're thinking, he, you know, he kept complaining on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, man, this is tough on my body. He goes, I'm 50 years old. He goes, I ain't that young kid anymore who's doing karate. Yeah, you know? but, it's, it, it really makes you feel old. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, now, with Pat Morita, a couple things I do want to just bring up because everybody kind of – you saw him in this movie. He was really an icon for – karate and martial arts uh people really hadn't seen him before other than on happy days and right he played a totally different role on happy days comedic role yeah. yeah he was arnold who ran arnold's drive-in right you know, ran the restaurant there that all the kids hung out at and you know i always thought it was kind of funny here you have this little japanese guy who's named arnold in that show <laughs> and, and it's kind of like okay you know and then he comes in to do he comes in to do karate kid and you're kind of like, wow, you see this totally different side, this totally dramatic side to him. And he still kind of had some little bits of comedy where you saw it. And it was just because he was very serious doing deadpan. Right. And I love that about this film. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he actually did have, I mean, he, he unfortunately got typecast, I think, for this, uh, where he ended up doing the next three Karate Kid sequels, which was, you know, Karate Kid 2, Karate Kid Part 3, and then Next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank. Uh and then he also did have some other uh, some other roles where he was he played as a starring role, kind of like a side role in uh, the TV show The Mystery Files of Shelby Wu, which showed up on Nickelodeon. Yeah, he had a few bit parts, a few uh, movies and such. Yeah, and unfortunately, he did pass away in two thousand five, which I I have to say the world is there's a loss for him. I remember on the news when he did pass and that they made a big deal of it. And I'm kind of glad because he really was a great actor as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he was 73. Um, 
yeah, I mean, he was he was an icon for sure. I mean, if whether you remember him from Happy, I mean, everyone remembers him from Karate Kid. So yeah, this is his big. You know, you think of Pat Morita. You know, Karate Kid is one of the first things you think of. So yeah. Now yeah. we did have Elizabeth Shue. Um, she played as Allie Mills. We've we have seen her in a bunch of other things. Uh, my personal one of my personal favorites of hers is uh, she did a couple of movies. She did one called Palmetto, which mm. oh my god, if you ever see that movie, it's a bad movie. It's got her and Woody Harrelson in it, but she mm. is just so goddamn hot in that movie. <laughs> There's a scene where it shows her and she's like rubbing an ice cube across her chest, and it's supposed to take place down in Florida. And I just see that, and every time I see it, I'm like. Wow. <laughs> I, I she was also in the Back to the Future series. Uh and uh the, well and wait, was she I don't was she Jennifer? She was Jennifer Parker. Uh she well she actually um replaced the original Jennifer um played by Claudia Wells. Okay. And she was she was Jennifer in parts two and three. Okay. Of course parts two and three were well, anyway. Not going to go into it, but they replace a number of roles. But yeah. she was one of them, and uh, you know she just winds up sort of passed out throughout most of that that role. Okay, because I'm sitting here going, "Who was she in there? I don't remember that." But when you say that, I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that's probably her." I saw her in uh, Hamlet Two as well, oh. which that was a really silly movie, <laughs> to now, put it you know kindly. One of my favorites with her was that she was in uh, Adventures in Babysitting. She uh, was yeah. Chris Parker, the babysitter. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I that's another 80s movie that I loved, and I will certainly cover that on the podcast because it's, you know, it was it was a great film, I think. You know, they did a remake of it with, with uh, Jonah, whatever his name is. I can't think of his last name. Fat Kid. You always see Jonah him. Hill? Thank you. <laughs> they did a remake of it called The Sitter, and it was just... It's so I, that was a that was a remake of Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah, it, it's the same exact plot. I mean, they, I they go to New York. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's bad. It, it's just bad. Don't even bother. You know, <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of I'm kind of now way more intrigued about that. I like I didn't want to see it, and I I'm kind of curious. Oddly, let me put it this way: <laughs> if you're gonna watch it, you know. Um, Find some way that you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> oh, of course not. Because, It'll probably show up on Netflix or something. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> I, I saw it and I'm like, oh God, this is a stinker. And I, I'm thinking, I'm just going to sit through it and watch it just because there's nothing else on TV. Maybe it'll pop up on HBO or something. Yeah. I, I picked it up on, I, I want to say it was either HBO or Showtime or Cinemax, one of those channels, you know, and I picked it up. I'm kind of like, oh, I wanted to see this. And I'm like, oh God, is this thing ever going to get any better? Oh. <laughs> but you know to to her credit to elizabeth shoe she gets even almost as much credit for me as all the 80s stuff when in to, 2010 she uh she was in piranha 3d oh <laughs> when she talk about 80s throwbacks yeah <laughs> that that's a movie that that's probably i would say even being a 2010 film is probably worth covering just for all of the 80s nostalgia that's in this film oh yeah you know i mean it, and i probably will end up covering things like um like death proof and um oh yeah the, uh, the other grindhouse the other grindhouse films i can't think of what it is yeah. off the top of my head but i mean robert rodriguez type stuff like that he throws he definitely throws an homage to a lot of those 80s you know bad budget films so we'll probably end up covering stuff like that later on yeah but um so yeah, so I mean, were we? Did we want to talk a little bit? At well, least I mention the the remake, or yeah, we have. We kind of have to, really, because I mean that was kind of an important thing. I mean, I do have to say that they did a decent job with the remake of Karate Kid. Yeah, uh, the fact that you know they did have Will Smith, and this is again pulling back to how popular this movie was, how much people really enjoyed it, and how much it was remembered. The fact that they came back and they did a remake of it. Now, I, I, the, I, I have my issues with this with the remake, mm -hmm. uh, partially because it takes place with, you know, Will Smith. He was the movie producer for the remake. Him and right. him and his wife said, "Okay, we're going to take and we're going to make this movie. We want to we want to bring it out for everybody to see." They cast their son in it, right? 
Yeah. Not he's to not, say a, he, not a not a particularly great actor. Either. But I think he did a good job for what it was. Although right. I have to say that I think he was a little young to carry off the role because I kept thinking, how the hell does a kid learn how to do all this shit in that right. short a time and be as good as he shows off in this film? Yeah, and it also made I'm trying to like I I remember seeing it when it came out, um, but I, I'm trying to remember how they handled the scene where you know um, the sort of Mr. Miyagi sort of uh, uh, you know Jackie Chan. Yeah, uh, he, he's not Mr. Miyagi in this. No, he's Mr. Han. Yeah, <laughs> how he how he hand how they handle the scene where the kids like try to beat up on on um you know Jaden Smith and uh well no that know. was that that I thought was a pretty good scene because they show Jackie Chan he's doing all the stuff where he's pulling their jackets over them and the kids are chasing him they're jumping up and back and forth on top of the buildings to climb over to get to him and you see right. Jackie Chan he's taking the coats off the kids and he's whipping the coats around he doesn't actually kick their butts right. he just kind of defends them and stops them from hurting him right and it's really kind of neat how he does that and you're watching you're kind of realizing this guy's a master at it. Right. And that was I, I really did like that and I thought that that was nice. That the the action scenes in that particular movie were good, but my main 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 issue they called it the the karate kid. Yeah. Nowhere in the film does he learn karate. They make <laughs> a big point of telling everybody that he is being taught kung fu. Right. Sorry, kung fu is different from karate. Yes, they're both martial arts, but they are different. Well, that's sort of what they do with these remakes, too, is that, you know, they're, they're, the only thing about the Karate Kid that, you know, is relevant here is the intellectual property. They, yeah. They're just using the Karate Kid to say, hey, you know, all you Karate Kid fans, we are making a Karate Kid-like film. Um, honestly, what bothered me even more about this film was I, I wasn't particularly fond of having it set in China. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of, I, there's something that about the karate kid being set in America and, and having him move from, you know, one part of the country to the other that I can kind of gravitate a little bit more towards, but yeah, um, I mean, I understand why they did it. China. Yeah, I understand. First, you know, first off, China gave him a huge ass tax break to film the, film the movie there so i i get that you know yeah. i get that america is you know they're not wanting to play nice with with movies much anymore because everybody wants their cut right so i get that but you know it's there's just there's a lot of things that i didn't like about this a lot of things that i did um mm. i have to say that they did do a good job of at least following the same storyline you know making it pretty much the same in the same structure you know how the movie's going to start. You know how the movie's going to end, in a sense. You're right. going to have this underdog kid who's getting his ass kicked by the bullies. Right. You know, you're going to have you're going to have him going through training. You're going to have him fa facing him off at the very end. And they did do a good job of following that. Yeah, um, I, I credit them for that, for sure. You know, and, yeah. and the, the training, you know, they did have a lot of the homages to the original Karate Kid. One of my favorites is when you see... Uh, when you see Jackie Chan, he's holding a pair of chopsticks and you see a fly buzzing around <laughs> and he pulls out a fly swatter, smacks it on the screen and then he uses the pair of chopsticks to pull it off the fly swatter. <laughs> and Jaden Smith's at Jaden Smith's comment was, Oh, nasty. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, just, I laughed at little things like that. And then, you know, where you see, where you see him and he's getting, he's teaching Jaden Smith to do all the karate and he's, you know, pick the, you know, hang the jacket up, put the jacket, drop the jacket, you know, you have right. to use attitude when you're hanging it up and attitude and he's showing the whole snap of the wrists and, and you see Jaden Smith learning it and he's kind of like, what the hell is this? You know, take it off, put the jacket on. You know, right. he's going through this and he's standing out there in the rain for like weeks and you see him finally get pissed off and he's like, what is all this? He goes, this, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not showing up anymore for this. And Jackie Chan shows him and starts whipping stuff around as right. he goes, oh, so they did have a lot of that. They play around with a lot of the different beats from, you know, the, the original with the, you know, he, he's doing fire cupping now instead of the just rubbing his hands. I mean, yeah. Uh, instead of the crane technique, you're getting, you know, that whole snake stare. Yeah, this is a completely different stance. Um, but I, I guess I, you know, 
that's one thing you can definitely credit. They were pretty true to the original. Yeah, and I, I like the movie for the fact that they didn't try and go off and make it into a complete spoof. That yeah. they didn't, and they didn't try to use the crane kick again. I'm glad for that because, let's face it, the crane kick in the first movie was hokey. Now that I look back <laughs> on it, it that unfortunately that part of it unfortunately does not stand the test of time. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because it's it, the crane kick was it became kind of a joke over time because um, you know if anytime you you've seen anybody you know, try to do the crane kick. It, it's like, I remember specifically even seeing sitcoms where, you know, a, a, a couple of guys would, would about to get into a fight and one of them would do the crane stance. And, yeah. you know, of course, hilarity ensues, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's smart. Uh, even, even just, you know, switching to the Kung Fu stuff, uh, probably made a little, probably made a little more sense, you know, well, but. and I have to say, I think that the Kung Fu stuff really showed up better on cameras as more of a flashy, right? Uh, you know, look sharp type thing. Because we're seeing a lot more Kung Fu fighting styles in a lot of more of the action films. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Jet Li's Hero or uh, uh, yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you look at a lot of the popular hits. These are things where they're showing Kung Fu style martial arts and people love that. And it, it really shows in the box office. So. For them to go along that path, it made sense, mm. you know, to, to really capture more of a broad audience. And they may, you know, they may have actually renamed this film in other countries. I, I hadn't looked at that to see. They may have actually called it the Kung Fu Kid for all I know. But, mm. you know, I, I think it worked okay. It just wasn't great. And it's because I, because I still like the Karate Kid for what it was, you know, the original Karate Kid. Yeah. It kind of hurts to see this. <laughs> it does. It, it's yeah. It's it's a little weird. And, and you know, there's the the one thing you can kind of say is that there's only so many times they can do this. You know, remake, rehash the same thing. You yeah. know, um, I feel like if they were to try to remake this again, I don't know if if we'd end up seeing you know the the Daniel character end up doing some kind of mixed martial arts MMA octagon fighting, you know, oh, some God. UFC stuff. That would be, yeah, I, I'm just, I can't even imagine where they would take it. Um, yeah. I, I really would not want to see any shit like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, as a rule, I don't, I don't altogether, you know, dismiss remakes. I just feel that, you know, like, God, you know, it's it's a sign. It can be a sign that the studio's creatively bankrupt. You know, it's yeah. like you know, come it, up well, with some new stuff. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the problem with a lot of that, and I'm going to kind of digress and wax a little bit about this. When I go through, when I start seeing this sort of stuff, where the studios are pulling this out, uh, I start hearing and I start I start realizing that they really have not got anything new in the books. They don't want to pull out anything new. Partially because it means that if they start going into a new franchise, they have to pay money and pay royalties to somebody. Right. Why not pull shit out of their old stuff, remake it, because they own all the property to it. So they mm -hmm. don't have to pay anything new. They're they're basically banking on old shit that, people, that they think people might want to see, and it really kind of sucks. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I get why they do it financially, but at the same time, come on, guys. <laughs> Well, it's part of, you know, trying to bring back an old, you know, when things when you get too many soups in the kitchen and, and everyone's got their, you know, all the if you've looked at sort of the IMDb page of uh, of any film being made, there's, you know, a dozen writers that come up with this stuff and and the budgets it, it totally inflated. And then you look at something like the original Karate Kid and you go, wow, look at this. You know, this cast, you know, short cast, um, it costs eight million to make and made 90 million. Totally makes sense financially, you know, commercially, just, you know, you go back to the drawing board, throw out the soup and make something just sort of simple and, you know, yeah, that people, people love, you know. All right. Well, I think we pretty much covered everything, everything we wanted to talk about for this episode. Have you got anything else you wanted to add to it? That uh, you know, <laughs> I, what are you? What do you think are the uh, the chances we'll see a sequel to this remake? 
I really hope that they don't do a remake <laughs> or do a sequel because where they where now they take you know Han and uh, you know Jaden Smith's character to America. <laughs> well, here's the problem with That'd that. That'd be terrible. That it, it, have you seen Jaden Smith lately? I mean, he's doing that whole After Earth movie. Oh, he oof. he looks like he's about 18 years old. He's he's totally changed from from what he was in Karate Kid. He, yeah, they couldn't carry it off. Not unless they wanted to put a different kid in there. Yeah, or they wanted to explain. You know, they wanted to age Mr. Miyagi a bit or Mr. Han a bit. The I, next 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 Karate Kid. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's the other thing too is that. Let's be honest. Jackie Chan, while he can still do this stuff, he's getting old. Yeah, he's getting up there. You know, when you start getting old, your body breaks down. And that's one of the reasons I think he's doing the whole mentor type film, mentor type scenes in Karate Kid was that his body's starting to hurt. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's probably for the best because, you know, probably like I said earlier, we probably would end up with, you know, like, oh, here's this MMA fighter or here's this, you yeah. know, I don't know. <laughs> they, they'd pull him in to do a tournament in Vegas. Here's Kevin James. <laughs> no, no, to be fair, I did like Here Comes the Boom. But <laughs> I, I heard that was a good film. But, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was better than I expected. So, you know, I'll, I'll at least give that. I, I went into it thinking it was going to be a completely lousy film. You know, I watched it on HBO for free, so it wasn't bad. And he um, was – he's supposed to be a legitimate – like he was a wrestler at some point in his he life. He was a wrestler in high school and he, yeah. he throws into this. You kind of see it and it's just – it's goofy. It's bad but at the same time, <laughs> it's kind of like, OK, hey, it's not actually that bad. Oh, um, martial arts films. Yeah. So I, I'll go ahead and wrap this up here. I do want to say that this wraps it up for this episode of Talking About My Generation. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, you can send us a tweet. Yeah, I'm uh, at WT Valdez. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T at Sprezout. Yeah, uh, it's at WT Valdez, W-T-V-A-L-D-E-S. Perfect. Uh, you can also send us a feedback at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. Or the good news here that I kind of announced in our little mini cast here that I had earlier this week. Uh, we do actually have a website now of mygenerationpodcast.com. So I've got it all hosted there. You can go and listen to all the previous episodes. I'm going to keep doing that here for us. Uh, you can also leave comments on the website there itself now. So please do that. I'd love to hear from you guys. Love to hear if there's any topics that you want us to cover. Yeah. Uh, you know, Feel free. Uh, with that, I think I'm going to go ahead and sign off on this episode with You're the Best. <laughs> Around. All right. Thank you, Will, and I'll I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Try to be best, cause you're only a man.